When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, one of the best things about a botanical method aquarium is that it's a dynamic, ever-evolving, and, well, flexible environment to work with. By its very nature, the botanical method aquarium changes and can be changed with relatively little effort on our part while still embracing natural processes. Now, case in point has been a little tank I've been featuring recently on our social media, a little 10-gallon aquarium that we've, um, we've done to house some, uh, some guarmies and rasporas. It was a deliberate attempt to highlight the pivotal nature of botanical method aquariums. Now, it started out life as one of our classic configurations, a leaf litter habitat, a simple aquarium which consists of a sprinkling of sand, a bunch of leaves, and a few twigs. Botanical method aquarium keeping at its most simple and elegant. Now, as you've known, uh, no, we've done a number of aquariums like this over the years, and they may have been among our favorites. They're easy to create, really easy to manage, and teach you almost everything you need to know about running a botanical method aquarium. You'll learn about preparation of the materials, how they interact with the water, uh, what kind of life forms colonize them, you know, biofilms and stuff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is one of those um, topics today which just it, it it's better to to read the uh, the blog, but it'd be even better if I did this as a video. So eventually, one day, we're going to start working on some YouTube stuff, so you can actually see what I'm talking about, as opposed to me just talking about it here. But uh, let's kind of get back into it. Uh, so again, this configuration of leaf litter and and uh, primarily leaf litter and twigs is a perfect test bed for the idea that botanical method aquariums can generate their own supplemental food sources uh, if allowed to develop undisturbed for a while, that they can do, um, you know, condition their own environment and do all kinds of interesting things that we talk about here on the tint every day. And it's also a great foundation for other experiments with botanical method aquariums. We'll discuss that shortly. Now, one of the things I love the most about this approach is that you can use such a small variety of materials yet achieve a dramatic ecologically rich aquarium with relative ease. The most important task is simply to prepare the leaves in order for them to sink and be able to recruit the biofilms and fungal growths, which we talked about the other day, and ultimately decompose. Then it's really a matter of simply waiting for the bloom of biological activity. You also have the option of inoculating your tank with bacterial supplements or cultures of microorganisms like uh, microorganisms like you know paramecium or copepods and organisms like daphnia or cyclops and these are fun little experiments that can really help you create a functional little ecosystem from the outset and they help provide some supplemental food sources for your fishes when they're at it so kind of neat stuff the idea could not be more simple the execution is really easy the environmental evolution which arises couldn't be more interesting yeah really easy uh, in fact it was really a matter of setting in the leaves and twigs and doing nothing Fungal growths form spontaneously, as you know, when, um, you know, terrestrial materials are in an aquatic environment. Biofilms are recruited, leaves soften and ultimately decompose. Stuff that's going to happen without any real intervention on your part. 
really, really easy. From an aesthetic perspective, this type of aquarium, by virtue of the fact that it uses a large amount of botanical materials, achieves a sort of established look really quickly. And from a functional standpoint, I find that these leaf little litter-centric systems tend to settle down and stabilize rather quickly too. Very little fluctuation in the water parameters seems to occur after the initial setup if they're left undisturbed. Now, I could have managed this tank much like I had managed leaf litter systems in the past, just indefinitely letting it evolve, occasionally topping off with new leaves and making few, if any, changes of any kind. Yet that was not the destiny that I had in mind for this tank. The idea behind this tank was to demonstrate that you could create a heavily botanical-influenced aquarium, yet transition it if you want, and easily keep and grow aquatic plants in the same system as well. The transitional part was when I added the aquatic plants. Now, taking this aquarium from, I guess, a hardscape, to steal an aquascaping term, to a quasi-biotopic planted aquarium was a lot of fun and very easy. I envisioned a section of Southeast Asian streams uh, where the epiphytic you know, microsorium or java fern is growing on some submerged twigs and branches near the shoreline. I've seen videos of this feature a few times, and I was always taken by the extremely luxurious growth of java fern right over and into a section of the terrestrial material. The dark water, the light-colored sand, and massive decomposing leaves and branches made this just too irresistible to overlook for me. And once again, the interplay of terrestrial and aquatic habitats is incredible, and it's very alluring to me. And since there was little substrate in this tank, keeping you know regionally appropriate rooted plants like cryptocorine was not really possible from the outset. The epiphytic nature of java fern made it a perfect plant for this tank. And the idea wasn't just to place a few specimens of microsorium here and there on the wood. Rather, it was to pack it heavily with them, creating a sort of a lush, overgrown look immediately. So I'd rather be in the position of having to thin out and prune a slow-growing plant like java fern in a few weeks or months than be waiting a few, for a few specimens of said grow, slow-growing plant to cover a large surface area. So yeah, I went big and yeah, I can be a little bit impatient too. Now, the idea of a dark, earthy, yet lushly planted aquarium has always appealed to me. Yeah, even though I'm not known for my use of plants in my work, I've always been a fan of this sort of jungle-type approach to aquatic plants for many, many years. Interestingly, uh, when I pursue uh, the idea of playing with this, I looked at some of those old nature aquariums that, that always appealed to me, and, and I realized that the ones that, appear, that appealed to me, the mono-type aquariums, were always the ones that were more lush, almost overgrown-looking tanks. I'm a firm believer in Amano's embrace of that Japanese philosophy of wabi-sabi, a sort of an acceptance of the transient nature of things and their natural imperfections, watching you know weeds overtake a, an abandoned uh, shed or a fence or something like that. He, he did lots of photos like that in his early books and kind of makes sense. The approach that I took with this tank, creating an evolving semi-ephemeral hardscape of leaves and twigs, utilizing a significant quantity of just one species of plant and allowing it to, you know, overgrow and grow extensively in the plant is as close to wabi-sabi as you'll ever see me deliberately conjure up. Now, one thing I did uh, differently when I transitioned it from a leaf litter only display to this planted thing is I sort of corralled most of the leaf litter into and among the matrix of branches. You can see that in the photos when you go to our uh, website and, and look at the blog or on our social media stream. There's some pictures of it on uh, on Instagram. I did this because I wanted to see some exposed substrate for contrast, and I wanted to emulate and emphasize the way leaf litter accumulates among submerged roots in nature. And also, it's a little easier to photograph, 
And uh, I wanted to make this as accessible as possible, a design for people that are interested in dabbling in this botanical method aquarium thing. And the inhabitants had to be, when I was thinking of fishes, they had to be Resbora, because I like Resbora. Uh, I chose Resboria hengeli, sometimes called the lamb chop Resbora. It's a little thinner than the classic Harlequin Resbora, a little more elongated, a little more delicate looking, uh, but very similar. And then one of my favorite long-coveted fishes, uh, Valence chocolate guarmi, Sphericthes valenti. And that's one I've talked about several times already, so I won't bore you with it. But it's like the classic chocolate guarmi, except the females get a little more colorful at breeding time. This fish is like an ideal candidate for this type of tank. Not only is, you know, the tank reasonably small, so I could actually see this rather shy fish now and again. It has deeply tinted water and a matrix of, you know, roots for them to swim among. And it's darkened with that thick, you know, dense aquatic vegetation, a perfect representation of their wild habitat. And I really wanted to impress upon you um, I still do actually, I really want to impress upon you how simple and easy it is to equip and set up, you know, run and manage this kind of tank. You can easily get by with less gear than I used, uh, but it's really nothing special. Like for equipment wise, let's just give you a breakdown. So the, the aquarium is an Ultim Nature Systems 60S. It's about 24 by 14 by seven inches. Uh, and I'm sorry, I, so I guess that's 60 centimeters long and I don't have all the breakdowns not being the metric kind of guy. Uh, and that's 10 US gallons. Um, the filter is even more simple. It's one of those little Aquion Quiet Flow AT10 internal filters. It's a tiny little, some people might even say undersized filter, but it's perfect for these little types of tanks and it's easy to hide. Uh, the heater is a Finex HMX 50S. It's a 50 watt submersible heater with a nice digital display. So it's very easy to see the, the remote like attached digital display. So it's very easy to see the exact temperature and it holds temperature great. Then I use a surface skimmer, an Eheim Skim 350. Um, use those for years in tanks. It's a little device, not the most attractive looking thing, easy to hide, but super useful. Uh, the lighting is basically room ambient and it's supplemented with this LED floor lamp that I purchased on Amazon years ago and I've used it in a few tanks now. It's just a, a controllable, adjustable little LED floor lamp. and I think the brand is called Jolly Joy or something like that. It's a, one of those uh, Chinese-made lamp. A terrific little lamp. I would never, you know, light a serious planted tank or a, a reef tank with this, but for aesthetic ambience and or for something like this, it's just a completely undemanding plant. It's perfect. Uh, as far as the other natural materials that I used, the substrate consisted of my favorite, Carob Sea Sunset Gold, which is a really beautiful little sand, uh, mixed with some nature-based Varzea sedimented substrate. And the substrate materials, they were mixed together to create a substrate layer of about a quarter to one half of an inch, which is, I think, about 0.635 to about uh, 1.25 centimeters deep. Very shallow. Um, then I used live oak leaf litter because live oak leaf litter is perfect for this type of a setup. Um, it's durable. It's small. It scales right. And uh, it just has the right mix of color, contrast, and texture for me. I used some large oak twigs or branches and a few pieces of Borneo catapa bark and I even broke them up further and just sort of distributed them throughout the, the leaf litter and then the plant uh, that I used was java fern a, a cultivar called narrow mini it's a smaller version and pretty nice little little plants I really like them and that's it that's everything now again these are the things that I used you can certainly set up a similar tank utilizing different equipment and materials 
and a lot of hobbyists would have used a canister filter, which, yes, I've done in the past. However, as you know, I pretty much despise all canister filters for reasons that I can't always quite articulate. So I opted for the small internal filter. And you don't have to use the surface skimmer, but I hate surface film. So in a non-overflow equipped tank, it's sort of a necessary evil for me. Yeah, the equipment is visible unless you go to some lengths to hide it, which is part of the reason why I guess everybody loves canisters. But my upside is that I don't have to deal with that damn glassware, which to me is one of the most awful short-sighted inventions in the history of modern aquarium keeping. Absolutely stupid, overpriced, fragile, and just shitty. In case you had any doubts as to my position about glassware, I really hate it. I mean, somebody needs to come along and make an attractive looking dark or metallic colored or white colored or whatever plastic alternative to the stupid glassware that's more functional, prettier, easy to match up and has actual correct sizing so that you know you're getting something for a specific tank makes it real easy. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very critical of glassware. I think it's idiotic. And I don't like it. <laughs> That's my position on it. So in case you're wondering. Okay, deep breath, Scott. So really, it was a sort of a lesser of two evil for th- things for me. So I'd rather any day of the week, if I'm not using a, uh, an all-in-one aquarium, I'll use those little kind of, kind of submersible filters that I can hide. And personally, if a decent all-in-one aquarium with similar dimensions were available, I would have grabbed one in a heartbeat. Wouldn't have even hesitated. Uh, an all-in-one aquarium can have surface skimming, filtration, and a place to hide the heater you know, all in one convenient, aesthetically clean design. And in my humble opinion, I'm going to go out on a limb and editorialize because I always do that, right? The lack of AIOs or all in one aquariums with more interesting dimensions like this 60S and sizes is one of the great missed opportunities in the aquarium industry. I think they'd be a smash hit. And I think somebody, some manufacturer out there needs to take the chance and step it up. They need to market some of these in shapes and sizes that are a little more interesting than just the typical cube, which is, God, I hate cubes. I'm sorry. I have a few of those tanks. I just hate them. They're horrible to aquascape. Don't like them. Uh, Or the conventional aquarium setup, which is, you know, good, but come on, we can do better. So anyway, better yet, someone manufacturer should consult with me on this because I've got ideas, guys. Talk to me because if you don't, 10 and might. Oh, okay, but this piece isn't about my rantings against, you know, my fellow aquarium industry manufacturers and stuff like that. So let's get back on the topic. So managing this aquarium really couldn't be easier. Um, My maintenance procedure includes exchanging literally one gallon, four liters of water a week, cleaning the surface skimmer, and wiping away any algae that I might encounter on the front glass. Since the tank gets a little partial sun in, in the room that it's in from uh, for just a little bit of during the day. One little section on one side of the tank uh, glass occasionally gets a little light algae film and that's easy. It takes seconds to scrape away and that's it. It's easy. Literally, this tank is like on cruise control after just a couple of months. Oh, wait, uh, one more other thing too. I do add uh, 50 millilit- 0.50 milliliters of Seachem Flourish XL three times a week. I do that because one of my friends said, you know, if you're going to light a slow growing a plant like this, like Java fern, if you're going to put some light on it, it may get algae growing faster on the leaves than the plant can grow and it's going to look ugly. So give the, uh, fertilize the, uh, the tank a bit to, uh, to get the, the plant growing a little faster. I've done that. I haven't experienced any algae issues. Um, I, my friend is absolutely right. I just am not, uh, it's not getting that much light altogether. It's very low level ambient light. 
uh, and that artificial light is is quite dim and quite high, but it's just enough to kind of give the effect I want. But but that's a good tip. Um, other people have recommended CO2. Um, again, I'm not really a plant guy. It's not really, I don't have another gadget in there. Uh, it's, it doesn't really interest me that much. And it's Java Fern, for God's sake. It's pretty indestructible stuff. So um, bottom line is do what you feel is right. You guys are plant people. I'm not, but um, you know, it it's pretty good. Uh, the other thing that I do is um, I will eventually probably top off some more oak leaves when they uh, when they decompose. But quite honestly, oak is so durable and it tends to hang around for such a long time before completely breaking down. I haven't obviously in two months I haven't had to do it, and I based on the tanks I've had going for um, you know a couple of years that were leaf litter centric tanks, um, two years, three years at a time. I had very little replacement. It was just really more for my aesthetic taste than anything else. They do break down certain leaves depending on what you use, like mangrove, um, you know, oak, they're a little more longer lasting. If you're using catapa or, you know, um, maybe guava, those won't hang around quite as as long, but um, they all last pretty, pretty decent, respectable length of time. And it varies based on water chemistry, temperature, the kind of fishes you have, all that kind of stuff. But you're not going to find yourself replacing leaves every single week. It's something you'll do maybe once a month, every other couple months, whatever. Um, one of the cool things about a botanical method aquarium like this is that you can observe that fungal bloom and sort of gradual decline among the leaves and uh, the twigs. And, you know, initially in this tank, there was a significant fungal growth after about about a week and a half or so, you know, it starts booming on the leaf litter. That's what happens, as we know. It's normal in all botanical style, or whoops, I said style, botanical method aquariums when you um, put terrestrial material in an aquatic habitat. Fungi are quick to jump on those leaves. And that's what you want. That's a good thing. But not everybody finds that attractive. And since this was designed to lure, this tank was sort of designed to lure some people that may have been hesitant to get into a big botanical method aquarium in the game, uh, into the game, I wanted to at least let you know, you're going to see that, but if you just wait it out, it's going to, you know, bloom and ultimately subside to a, uh, a more manageable or what we call aesthetically pleasing level. And it remains that way for the duration of the aquarium's existence. You just have to wait it out. It's another one of those mental shifts that we ask you to make as a botanical method aquarium keeper, being patient with your aquarium as it evolves. And the beautiful thing is that when you do this, the aquarium often becomes something better than you ever even initially envisioned. The beauty of an aquarium like this little one is that you can make a few tweaks to the theme along the way without any issues, as we've discussed many, many times. The, this type of baseline leaf litter centric tank gives you a sort of a track to run on. And then you can make subtle changes without impacting the operating system, the biological operating system of the tank. And that's what's fun. So in the end, Living with your botanical method aquarium isn't just about a new aesthetic approach. And it's not all about making super complicated, absolutely authentic biotope simulations. It's about understanding and processing what's happening in that little aquatic ecosystem that you've created. It's about asking questions, modifying techniques, playing hunches, all skills that we've hobbyists, uh, you know, as hobbyists have practiced for generations, but in sort of the different arena. And when you distill it all, we're still just keeping an aquarium. But it's one that I feel embraces a far more natural, dynamic, and potentially game-changing methodology for the hobby. It's a good way to get started. So if you're interested, do check out this tank. Again, uh, I guess we're handicapped by the fact that I'm not a video guy, and i got to start doing more videos so I can really show it to you. But uh, it's on um, 
you'll see it on Instagram and there are some pictures, uh, obviously in the tint, uh, the tint version, the blog version of this uh, podcast and, uh, elsewhere. So, and, and if you want to see more, just shoot me a message and we're glad to share some with you. In the meantime, stay creative, stay flexible, stay excited, stay bold and stay curious and always stay wet. Till next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tent.